0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Vox Tablet. It's me, Sarah Ivory, your host. And this... (laughs) ...is Bulletproof Stockings. The universe of rockers who are also observant Jews is a small one, and it's one dominated by men. Perel Wolf and Dahlia Schusterman are fixing to change that. They are the founding members of Bulletproof Stockings, a rock band whose eloquent, catchy songs could fit on a set list, I think, alongside the likes of Regina Spector or Florence Welch. But the women of Bulletproof Stockings are Hasidic Jews. Based in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, not too far away from the world headquarters of the Lubavitch movement, the band has been gigging around the city and are at work on their first album. They released an EP called Down to the Top last year. Conveniently for us, Schusterman and Wolf are also housemates, and they've kindly invited us into their home to talk with them about the history and the future of their musical collaboration. Peril, Dahlia, welcome to Vox Tablet, and thank you for letting us crash your pad. Thanks for coming. so i see around me that there are signs of children who live here <laughs> dahlia you have four of them where are the kids this morning it's a work day camp it's a camp, camp day yeah
1: summertime thank god Having <laughs> a good time
0: <laughs> uh, i'd love to start with your musical background dahlia how did you come to be a drummer and what kind of music have you always been into
1: um I don't know if you want the whole story or not, you do want the whole story. yeah. (laughs) Um, So the first time I ever played hand drums, it was um, New Year's Eve in DC. There was a a group called Earth First that were having like a benefit. And so I I went with a bunch of friends and there were bands playing. And in between the bands, people were like going out and doing whatever recreational (laughs) things that they did. And I was one of the few that was still like hanging out in the room. And I started seeing people going up on stage and playing with the instruments that were there. So um, after watching this for a while, I figured, you know, like I knew I had music inside. Like I, I you know, played piano when I was little and I just had a natural rhythm sense or whatever. Um, I figured I'd just go and check it out. So I, I went up and I started shaking the tambourine, moved over to the bongos and... I just, it was an instinct, like instinctively knew how to use my hands on the skin, so you get different sounds, rhythms were coming out, it was just kind of just flowing. Um, The next thing I saw is behind the, there were these two huge congas, like in center stage, so I went behind the congas, and I just was like playing, 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 and the next thing I remember is I looked up, and I was the only one Left on stage playing, and the room had filled up with people, and they were dancing. Wow! To what I was doing, so so that was a like super hook in, and my <laughs> life was like totally transformed. All of a sudden, any any person I saw with an instrument, I was like making conversation with, I was, you know, and eventually, um, you know, after like a million and three adventures I ended up in New Orleans with a pair of bongos and just kept playing and I ended up playing like Afro-Brazilian for like Mardi Gras parades and I was I played for a circus that like went across the country I played for belly dancers and all kinds of stuff jazz like all kinds of stuff then I went to college wait a minute that was all before you even went to college yeah I was 16 when I left so I went to SUNY Purchase and um, I met some kids who were in a band called Hopewell. And um, whatever we all became friends, we all started playing music together. And then we became the new Hopewell and started recording, started touring. And um, you know throughout that whole time, I was also trying to, you know, find the balance between my spiritual self and my uh, the rest of me, I guess, and trying to figure out how um, music would, work and it wasn't really really working in that environment the, the the time when you're on stage is very spiritual you know you're the, you're like being a, a conduit for you know the music and you're communicating from on high and into the audience and it's like very spiritual and amazing then I'd walk off stage and it was just like this whole other reality that I had to deal with so as much as it was fun for a while I I, I needed more eventually and um, and I got invited to go to Crown Heights for circus and it was just like some kid who was like giving out flyers for a party um, on the Lower East Side and he told me his name was Mordechai and I was like the only girl in a band with a bunch of Italian Catholic boys, you know uh-huh. <laughs> so Mordechai is not really named me here so much um, so definitely it was like a, like a mind opener and it also turns out that he was friends with the person who um, was to be my husband who I met that first night of Succus. So I was like one step off the tour bus. He was one test away from Smicha, which is rabbinical ordination. And somehow i was still a Shidduch. So <laughs> that's that.
0: So until you came to Crown Heights for Succus, you didn't...
1: Uh, you were not an observant Jew. Right. So I grew up modern Orthodox. So we had like Kashrus and we had Shabbos. Um, I left that, but... While I was on tour and like, you know, after tour whatever, I was I was starting to read more books. I was starting to go to classes. It was definitely a need that I knew that I, you know, like I started putting musizas on my doors, like doing those things that I I felt like I needed in, you know, in my life. Pearl, you are the lead singer and
0: the keyboardist in the band, is that correct? That is correct. How did you come to be so involved in music? Um, I began classical training in piano when I was six years
2: old Um, so that was definitely a huge part of my life I took piano lessons till about 18 19 years old Um, singing was always something I was doing around the house or in choirs Um, but in terms of music it was definitely as much as music was a huge part of my life and I used to go to tons of concerts and know every lyric to every song I've ever heard uh, never ever thought I would ever be a musician. So music, in terms of writing my own music, did not even start until just a few months before I met Dahlia. So April 2011, I had just gotten divorced and I was going through a really difficult time and music just kind of started flowing in out of nowhere, very, <laughs> very surprisingly. Um, just suddenly had melodies in my head and I would just run to my laptop and record myself singing random melodies and then I think about them later and add another piece or I'd be like tapping my foot and coming up with a beat and then like running back to my laptop and recording myself and sending it to everybody I know and saying is this plagiarism have you ever heard this song before because <laughs> it sounds cool but I don't know what it is and there's no way I could have come up with it myself because I've never written before and um, And then I started trying to write lyrics. And again, I've never been much into writing. I mean, I like writing, writing in a journal, writing for essays for school. But I never considered myself a writer. So I just started trying to get out of my own head, just write whatever came to mind, and then piecing it together. And then before I knew it, I had a few songs. So I wrote um, the whole EP of Down to the Top was written within one week. Wow yeah and um you know it's interesting because i i still didn't know what i was going to do with it i still didn't know if i wanted to go solo or if i wanted to start a band or how i would go about it and after just meditating on it a while i came to the conclusion which i really feel like is totally just hashem thank god you know made it very clear to me that i should go back to new york and do it for women only and that i should find other musicians and make a band and start making women's events and I I had a whole picture in my mind like how's this gonna go down like who's gonna be open to this idea you know in the from world in the you know observant world this is music that a lot of people especially if they grew up religious are not used to hearing they don't have the reference or ear for it so they might totally not like my lyrics or, or, the, or the beats or the tempo changes and be totally confused and in the secular world they're going to be like what you're playing for women only i'm not you know going to not take my husband or my boyfriend along to the show you're telling me it's discrimination you know <laughs> just trying to imagine like where is this going to fit in and and i was like you know but i just feel like there's definitely definitely a need for it and even if it's going to take a little bit of time for people to ease into it they're going to get it and the religious world's going to get it the secular world's going to get it and let's go do it
0: so let me ask you though uh, you grew up Orthodox, is that right? I did. I grew up a-, a Chabad, actually. So, how did you come to have the exposure to secular music and to rock music? Um, as far as um, music
2: and and my musical interests, I definitely did not only listen to Jewish music growing up. Um, I was what you would call a rebellious teen. Um, <laughs> I was pretty. I was pretty. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty good for for a rebellious girl. I can tell you that. I, I definitely didn't do anything quite as crazy as anyone might imagine if I use the word rebellious. So it's a very loose term. Um, But I definitely did not fit into the system at the time. I did not feel comfortable. I didn't enjoy my high school. I didn't want to follow the rules. I definitely did my own thing. Um, So music, I mean, I I started listening to secular music probably around nine years old, eight, nine years old, just started listening to the radio myself. And then, you know, Throughout my entire adult life. From then on, I've I've you know, always listened to secular music. So, you know, that mixed with the classical backgrounds. So I have always had classical music and Hasidic background of Negunim. I feel like I definitely try to incorporate all of those things into into the music. I feel like it comes through.
0: Well, let's listen to a song off of the EP. The song that I'd love to hear is Easy Pray, and that's Pray P-R-A-Y. Uh, I wonder if either of you have anything you want to tell us about the song before we uh, give it a go. Um, There's more than one conversation going on in this song, and
2: one of the conversations that's going on is the evil inclination talking to the narrator. And the evil inclination, Yetzir Hara, that is the impulse to do uh, ill. To do ill, but the evil inclination is also often misunderstood, because the evil inclination, we could look at it as just, the bad guilty conscience or the little devil on your shoulder, so to speak. Um, But there's a lot more to it than just that. The evil inclination, as all things in this world, whether they're good or bad, work for God. So the evil inclination in this song is kind of feeling a little misunderstood and is talking to the narrator and saying, you know, listen, we're we're actually a team here if you really think about it. So I'll leave you with that.
3: bit of passion
0: about the name of the
1: band, Bulletproof Stockings. <laughs> Dahlia, I'll let Dahlia start. Oh, I just, you know, I was, like, picking out, um, you know, my new email accounts, whatever, and I was sitting around with my husband, and I was just, like, you know, making jokes, whatever, and I was like, yeah, since I'm a Hudson now, I should probably just call it Bulletproof Stockings, you know? I was, like, passing joke. He's like, yeah, totally. So, like, so okay, so that, that was that, and so the night I met Peril... You know, because it's a joke. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of demeaning, you know, quote unquote joke about, you know, when people see Hasidic women, they, you know, wear very opaque stockings. It's like, you know, they're so opaque, they must be both, uh-huh. You know, <laughs> so when I became a Hasid, I was like, okay, uh, now that I'm one of them, I'm gonna, I'm gonna own that joke. So, so that was my, my, you know, my email. Um, and then the night I met Pernal, of course, she asked me for my email. Cause that's the times <laughs> we're in. And she,
3: up.
2: Yeah, she, and she was up. like, oh, you got that one. Not <laughs> uh-huh. everybody gets that joke. I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. I always make those jokes. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I always like to add when people ask this question is um, it's definitely not to make fun of anybody. Obviously, we're Hasidic women ourselves. And whether or not this, the type of stockings we wear would be considered bulletproof stockings. Um, We are certainly, you know, this is a sisterhood. We are embracing all women. Obviously, that includes all sects of Hasidic women, Jewish, secular, not jewish anything. Um, I personally really like the name because I feel like it has an even deeper meaning than just the joke that goes along with it, which is I feel that bulletproof and stockings are two contradictory words that, you know, one is just absolutely solid And, you know, Shatterproof, and the other one is, like, rips in one second. Um, And everything in this world is, is that contrast of dark and light. And our mission is to be that balance in between. And so I feel like Bulletproof Stockings, the band, also has this, you know, rock element, this kind of edgy element. And then we also have the Hasidic woman element, which, you know, might seem like two contradictory things, but they actually are not at all. We're just revealing our inner essence and you know, in a
0: whole, balanced way. To what extent, uh, for both of you, does
1: your faith inform your music making? I know for me, when I first... um, So when I got married and I just, like, kind of was gradually getting into, you know, the the whole Hasidic um, life, for a long time, like, years, I couldn't even, like, listen to music just because music just takes you places and it wherever it was taking me was was a life that I you know wanted to leave behind and you know go forward from um so it took a long time and my husband Alexandre, was definitely always supportive and he actually got me this you know I had left my drum set on the east coast and he, he bought me this drum set that I now play um for my birthday like really wanting me to play and eventually he was like easing me back into it and I was like ended up playing with him he was also a musician. Um, so, but it was finding the right context. Like, I mean, I, I say it all the time, like there, I never imagined that I would get back into like rocking out on stage. And this is like the only way, the only context that it's just like, I am so thrilled and I do it with every part of me, like, will, you know, willfully. It, whereas before I was like torn, I had like one side that was in and one side that was not so in. Like now it's like, I'm so in it because it's just, it's, um, it fulfills like all the, all the layers are, 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 like, being expressed there. You know, there's this concept that um, before Hashem delivers a ches sickness, he first delivers the cure. So, you know, it's not like we can pretend to know what Hashem's plan is or anything, but it just so happens that around the time um, Peril started writing was around the time I was l- losing my husband. So, and just there's a, it seemed to be some kind of connection between the fact that I had to have this huge loss, but you know, thank God I also have this other huge gain. Mm-hmm. You know, our faith definitely, I mean, for me for sure,
2: th- my faith absolutely influences the music. Um, the music itself, you know, like I said before, I, I try to write in a way that's open to interpretation. I feel like that's part of what art is, is that everybody can interpret it on whatever level they need to interpret it. Whatever they're going through right now, it makes sense to them. And um, all the music, that said, is definitely, all the lyrics are inspired by Torah and Hasidus. And if it wasn't for wanting to spread this message and spread the light and create a space specifically for women, Um, in order to inspire them um, to be more in touch with their inner selves, I definitely wouldn't do it.
0: I'd love to hear another song right now. How about Frigid City? And what do you want to tell us about that song before uh, we listen? Fans love Frigid City. It's one of their favorites. Everybody
2: gets involved and especially we have this one breakdown section where we all stop what we're doing in terms of playing and just clap along. So the whole crowd gets into it. It's really
3: exciting. Capture those lights, make them pervasively bright Oh, if you or I had the answer The man returns, we wouldn't be here We'd be home with our lessons learned For was easier, I think, to navigate one's reality, less dirt there, more soil, a deeper incentive for me to be loyal. Sleepless nights, all the sleepless nights, I tell you. Everything is so cluttered here, I can't sleep, and when I do, I awake on empty. Could you show your face just a little more frequently? I didn't know it was so cold in the
0: I think a lot of people have a conception of uh what is correct behavior among the uh, religious uh, and among religious women and but then if a person looks at videos of your shows you see women dancing somewhat suggestively somewhat sexually and it, it strikes me anyway when i see that is that okay i mean there's not men there but here are these women and they're not particularly being modest even in front of one another so i wonder if you can uh walk us a little bit through the uh parameters of
1: that. What kind of behavior is acceptable, what's unacceptable. Um, the whole idea behind Kolisha, which is the halacha or the 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 law about that a man does not listen to a woman's voice unless he's married to her or unless it's like immediate family like mother or daughter. Um It's there because it recognizes the innate sexual nature of a voice. I mean, it comes from the deepest parts of us. So for sure, when we sing, there's going to be something very central about it. You know, this central thing when people dance. You can't, or I guess people can dance and not be central, but it's not not what you're usually going for, you know. I mean, not that it's going to be all, you know, it's not like a... It's not an orgy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's not. We're not doing like pole dancing glasses at the, uh, you know, whatever. Which are you know nothing wrong with pole dancing glasses, but I'm just saying it's like it's not really that what what we're going for. But it's it is about being like free to be expressive, um, and when we're expressive, we're you know our whole selves, and our whole selves include a sexual component. So it's recognizing that, it's validating that, and it's keeping that sacred.
2: For me, I don't think of it so much as sexual as much as I think of it as sensual, like you right. said before. It's like, what is so intimate about a voice or dancing? You are giving your essence, your absolute inner self, and you're putting that out there. And there's something very intimate about that and very attracting about that. Whenever anybody lets loose, whatever letting loose for them means, they're showing you a side of themselves that's generally hidden. So. Within that space of women only, where women can sing and dance, I, there's definitely nothing halakhically wrong with women letting loose and dancing however they want to dance. And that's precisely why we don't have men there, so that they can do that because,
0: you know, they can't really let loose in that way if it's mixed. I'd love to go out with a final song. Uh, I wonder if you, either of you want to pick one for us. Off track?
2: Sure. Off track is one of our personal favorite songs, and we love to play it. We like just love the energy that comes through it. So, yeah.
3: Make me
0: Carol Wolf, Dahlia Schusterman, and Ellie Sheva Meister, the cellist in the band who couldn't join us today, are the members of Bulletproof Stockings. To find out where they're playing next, you can follow them on Twitter at BP Stockings or on Facebook or come to our website, tabletmag.com. If you like what you heard today, please don't keep it to yourself. Share it with everyone you know. We would be grateful, as I'm sure would be the members of Bulletproof Stockings. Vox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm your host, Sarah Ivry. We thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time.